I want you to cast your mind back to when God redeemed the, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and this is what he promised them. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I've prepared. Be on guard before the angel, before him, and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water and will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. It's not working, bread. I will send my terror ahead of you and I will throw into confusion all the people among whom you come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send hornets ahead of you so that they will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river Euphrates. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. You shall not make a covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land because they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So we've got this incredible context, this platform set up where God is going to bless these, these people. And if you think about what he's given them, it's amazing. He's given them an angel, a physical presence of God to go with them, to guide them and lead them. Uh, he's going to provide their food and water. He's going to make sure there's no sickness. He's going to make sure that there's no women that are barren. He's going to make sure that there's no miscarriages. To me, that sounds pretty much like a prosperity doctrine. You're going to get everything that you need. I'm going to give it to you. But I want to fast forward a period of about 140, between 140 and 200 years. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made for themselves caves in the mountains. For whenever Israel had sown their seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the crops as far as Gaza and leave no nourishment for Israel and no ox or sheep or donkey. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came like locusts for multitude. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So they wasted the land as they entered it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. And when they cried to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites who said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and I brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. 
And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree at, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, and his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour and fearless courage. And Gideon said to him, O sir, if the Lord is with us, why is all this befallen us? And where are all the wondrous works of which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord, Lord turned to him and said, Gideon, Go in the strength that you have, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And Gideon said to him, O Lord, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. You know, the Israelites are in this awful predicament. They're supposed to be living in peace and prosperity. They're supposed to be flourishing. And yet when we cast the, you know, the time tunnel a little bit forward, they're in this horrible oppression. Like they're hiding in caves. This is the way that they're living. They're, they're digging tunnels in the ground because every time they go out and plant a crop, it gets stolen. Every time they try and raise cattle, the cattle get slaughtered and taken away from them. They're in a bad way. They're impoverished. They're in a desperate state of affairs. And, you know, in some senses it's self-inflicted because they didn't heed the voice of the Lord. They've got themselves in this mess. They're crying out to God and God comes and says, okay, I'm going to raise up a young man called Gideon and he's going to save you. And when the, when the, the focus narrows from the whole nation of Israel down to one man, there's sort of this real irony in this story that comes out because the angel appears and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valour and fearless courage. And he, does, he doesn't accept the word. In fact, he starts making excuses. He said, well, if, if, if God's with me and with our nation, then why is all this happening? Ever heard that before from people? Well, if God's real, why does all this happen? Well, you know, But God doesn't answer his question. God doesn't get into a debate with him. He just says, Gideon, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. Now, there's a, there's a real irony here for, for Gideon because he's threshing wheat. And if you know what threshing wheat is, you never do it in a hole in the ground because you need the wind. When you thresh the wheat, the chaff is supposed to blow away and then the grain drops to the ground. So to do that in a wine press down in a hole makes no sense. So he's got this mindset of a siege mentality, like he's hiding. Everything he's doing is about trying to protect himself. And that's the way I see so many Christians live because they had an enemy called the Midianites, but the Midianites were not their enemy. Gideon was his own enemy. Because he didn't see himself like God did. He saw himself in the dysfunction and the failure and his mindset was beset with his own inadequacy. He didn't say, yeah, I'm a mighty man of valour because God, you're going with me. He made all these excuses and then he said, but God, how can I do it? I'm the weakest in my whole 
clan. Like, woe is me. Everybody hate me, think I'll eat some worms. Like, he's in a bad, bad way. And isn't that what happens when God says, I want you to do something, Trent? We go, who, me? But most people don't say, I'll go. Most people say, who, me? No, you've made a mistake, God. It's not me. It must be somebody else. It happened with Moses. Lord, how can I go? I stutter. I can't speak. Well, I'll give you Aaron. Let's find another excuse. You know, and we've got this pattern of scripture of people going, "No, I can't. No, I can't. I'm inadequate. I don't have the capability to do what you're calling me to do, Lord." So what we learn from God's proclamation right from the very beginning is that God doesn't judge us where we're at. He sees our potential. He doesn't say, Mark, go and plant a church because you are the great gifted one and thou hast all wisdom and knowledge and anointing and thou shalt take the people into the promised land. He just says, Mark, you've got what you've got, go and I'll bless it. I'll take the little bit that you've got and I'll bless it if you go. But if you don't go, you won't get anything. You can wallow in the cave and you can think the enemy is great and he's going to take everything from you. And your potential for victory is right there. It's in your hands, but you've got to take it and you've got to go. Now, notice what God said to Gideon. He didn't say, go with a full tank. He said, go in the strength that you have. Now, Gideon didn't have much strength. We don't need to have much in the tank because God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. So we learn from this proclamation is that the Lord doesn't brand or label or consider us on the basis of our past failures or the current mess that we're in or the consequences of sin we are entangled in today. He looks beyond it to our potential. He knows who we can become. He knew what was in Gideon. He could see it. Gideon just didn't believe it. And he refused to believe it until God gave him a sign and he stepped out and he did deliver his nation. You know, God doesn't, he looks outside of the the debilitating or the futile thinking, the self-destructive thinking, and he tries to break in and he says, you and me together, nothing is impossible for God. We've got a team going to Fiji on Tuesday and I'm trying to, their theme is going to be Sanga Naka Edrandre, but I can't remember the last bit. Nothing is impossible for God. Let's get it straight. Right from the very beginning, every one of us is inadequate. Every one of us is totally inadequate for the task that God is going to call us to do. Because God is going to call us to greater, bigger, more profound, you know, things beyond our wildest imagination. And he's not looking for people that are going to stand there and say, I've got it all. He's just looking for people that will say, I'll go in the strength that I have. And that might mean you have to crawl. You might be on the last bit of the tank, but God will meet you when you begin to go because he foresees the warrior the conqueror, the competency, the capacity each of us possess and bears because of God's intervention and supernatural means that he gives us. We are vanquishers. 
I love that word. I'm a wordsmith and I love words. I love that word. Because a vanquisher is someone who defeats or overcomes in a battle or conquest. They're a conqueror. They defeat. They're not defeatists. They're defeaters. Not because in their own strength, in their own capability, they can do it, but they rely on God and they know if God says, go plant a church, I'll be with you, they trust God at his word. Am I not sending you? Like, what's the excuse? Are you going to turn back at God and say he's not big enough for the breakthrough? He's not big enough with the resources? Like, that's what Gideon was really arguing with God. You're not big enough, but he is. He's an awesome God. And we are vanquishers. We are supposed to eliminate our enemies out there. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Doesn't mean the weapons aren't formed. Doesn't mean they're not thrown or launched, but they won't prosper. Why? Because I can protect myself? No, because God says that he will be our protection. So Gideon believed his greatest adversary was the Midianites. It wasn't. It was his own thinking that had him in bondage and had him bound to a limit that said, Gideon, you're not capable. Don't cross the line. And God wanted him to break that line and say, no, nothing's impossible for God. You know, we'll never, we'll never see victory unless there's a fight, right? We've got to step into the battle. And that's what God was asking Gideon to do. Just be my man in the moment. You're the one I'm going to send. Just go. I'll be with you. Now, if you read the story on, you see how miraculously God dealt with the the enemies. And really, Gideon didn't have to do a lot because God went ahead of them. But God was just waiting for Gideon to have the mindset that went, with God, I can do this. In Christ, I can do this. In Christ, I am more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. So when we face those times in our life where God says go, and he's saying go to all of us, there's got to be a fight because it's in the fight that God shapes our character. You know, and we live in generations where everybody wants God to do it suddenly and he wants to do it now, and we want God to take it all away, and we don't want any hardship, and we don't want any adversity, and we say, God, it's not fair. Why are you doing this to me? Where are you, God? Where's the miracles? And we've got all these excuses. And God's saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you have trials and tribulations of many kinds, because it produces perseverance and Perseverance produces character and maturity. Stop running away from the battles and embrace them. There is no real life in Christ without battles. In fact, it's the opposite way around. If you want to serve God, there's going to be bigger battles and bigger battles and bigger battles. But when you win the victory in the little ones, you can face the bigger ones with the same sense of God's ability to come through. Time and time and time again. Just go in the strength that you have. Even if you don't have much, you go. Go in the strength that you have. 
And here's the interesting thing. Inadequacy. When we put the mirror up and we look back at ourselves, when God calls, when he says, go do this or go do that, doesn't matter what it is, plan a church, talk to that person, start a business, we're either going to step into that opportunity in that battle or we're going to step back and find reasons why not. And that's normally where fear and anxiety begin to come. And they become the enemy. Not the Midianites, not the Canaanites. The own fear and anxiety that, that builds up in our mindset and builds the wall between what God is calling us into and our potential and what we see is the limit. And what complicates this for most people is when we're trying to thrive in our faith, most of our religious settings are sort of laced with this guilt that, that we're not performing adequately, that we're not doing enough for God, you know? And so people are comparing themselves to one another and, you know, I'm not like Mark or I'm not like that person or I'm not like Mother Teresa. And we've got this, the game's all wrong. Because all God is doing to us and through us and in us is calling us to what he's already put in our heart. When I say I'm going to mission in Fiji, I don't expect everyone to go, let's go to Fiji, because it might not be in your heart. But don't criticise me because God's put it there and I'm not frightened to step into that battle because that's the battle that God called me to. So don't look at me and accuse me. Find a reason why you're not fulfilling your battle and help me help you cheer on to win the battle that God's called you to. We're all in a battle and we're all inadequate for that battle. But God is all sufficient and he's all powerful and nothing is impossible. And if we can just look around and say, yep, we're all inadequate. Let's give up fighting about that one and just go, God, let's go. Let's go in the strength that we have, whatever that battle looks like. It's not a performance thing because we're not called to the same things. Then we could compete with one another, but we're not even called to the remotely the same things. You know, the Gretches are called to Swaziland. I can't even spell Swaziland. But that's what God has put into their heart and he says to them, go. And they could sit there and go, oh, God, it's on the other side of the world. And it's so difficult and it costs so much money and it means we've got to give up six months every year to, to scrape together the finances to go and serve God. It's all too hard. But they don't. They go in the strength that they have. And I won't know when they went last time, they didn't have much strength. Poor Chris was in hospital a couple of days before he went. But they, but they went anyway. Did God fail you? Did he come through? Point proven. There's never a time when we go, when we respond to the call of God, where he won't provide. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now, I don't understand why God wants to use us because we make it so complicated, don't we? You know, Lord, I can't speak properly. I stutter. Okay, well, I'll send you Aaron. Do you notice in Scripture that, that Moses never used Aaron? He did all the talking. Go figure. And it's just, the, I don't get it. God calls ordinary, unexpected, backwater people like you and me, and he says, I've got great things for you. I've got dreams that you can't even get your head around. 
I've got things in your heart that you don't even know are there yet that I want you to step into. Have you got the courage to brave the waves? Have you got the courage to step into the calling of God on your life? Because that's all Gideon had to do was say, here I am, Lord, I'm, I'm going. And he did. And Israel was saved. So I don't want people to be pretending that we're in this competition because we're not. It's just a matter of us responding to whatever God calls us to doing, knowing that we are inadequate for the task, but he is able. So what's your battle? What's God calling you into right now? Because you've all got one. You've all got something that God is calling you into to tackle on his behalf with his hand in your hand. He's got something for you. It could be a person he wants you to reach out that you find aggravating or frustrating, but he's sending you. It could be, you know, something far different than that. It could be that you're, you know, your wheelbarrows, you're going to push for justice for a group of people that have no justice. It doesn't really matter what the calling is. It's just the obedience to follow it. And it boils down to your heart saying, yes, I'll go in the strength that I have. I wonder what would happen if God said, will you go? And we said, yes, Lord, I've got it all. I'll go. That's pretty rare in Scripture, but it does happen. Here am I, Lord, send me. So it's not arrogance to say, yes, God, I'll go, as long as your eyes are on Jesus as long as you know that it's in his strength that you are going. Because if you don't have little, he'll give you the lot. He'll multiply it, he'll increase it, he'll bless you all the way through. So I hope that's a word that resonates within your heart today. Go in the strength that you have. There will be times when you feel like there's not much in that tank. God will provide. He will provide. Let's pray. Father, as we stand on the threshold of another year as a church, as a group of people that want to see justice and mercy expressed in humility in our community, God, we're, we're a people that want to be about seeing transformation. And Lord, I believe every person that calls Catalyst their home is exactly that, a catalyst for your kingdom that with you on their side, stepping into the callings that you have for them, whatever they might be, God, you, you're going to bring greatness when we trust in you. And Lord, I thank you that we are at times like Gideon. We're fearful and we're anxious. And we don't quite see ourselves the way you see us, but I, Lord, I thank you that you help us work through that and out the other side to see our potential in you and our capability in the God in whom we serve. Father, today, would you just remind us of our calling, the people, the places, the positions, the power that you've given to us, the authority that is invested in us because of who we are in Christ. Father, would you remind us today that we are vanquishers. 
We are those that will take the kingdom of God and the enemy will retreat because we're going in the name and the power of our God. And we thank you, God, that we are an army and that it is our mandate and our inheritance to see this nation and this land changed for the kingdom of God. And Father, we see so many obstacles, God, political ones, social ones. We see a society that's self-destructing and we can just say, well, the enemy's too big. But how big is our God? He's awesome. And Father, today we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have promised us, just like you promised Israel, that you would go with us, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help us to be a people of God that don't forget what you've already put in our hands. So often we go looking for things that are already ours, the promises that are already ours to possess, your presence that is with us anywhere that we go. So, Father, give us eyes of faith, not of fear. Give us hearts of anticipation, not of anxiety, God. Mould us into a people that say, I'll go and I'll serve you with the strength that I have. And, Lord, I know, I know you're faithful when we step out. You're an awesome God. And we want to thank you and praise you and worship you today that you are faithful to generation after generation after generation after generation. And the Lord, the foundations we're laying here in Catalyst and the churches that we want to plant will demonstrate that our God is for us and not against us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper if we're a people that say, here I am, Lord, send me. So, Father, would you steal our hearts today? If we've been defeatist, if we've been anxious, if we've been wallowing in our own mindset of inadequacy, Father, I want to break it off today in Jesus' name because it's not from you. It's not your way of thinking. You call us mighty men and women of valour. You know who we are in Christ. We are more than conquerors. And we pray, Lord, that that might be the mindset through which we see things and perceive things and believe things are people set apart for God and for his purposes and his plans. So we bless you today, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name that you're going to take us out of that darkness and out of that cave and out of that futile thinking and replace it with purpose and vision and passion and power. So, Lord, continue to transform us. Continue to position us as catalysts in our families, in our community, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, to be those people like Gideon that say, yes, Lord, I'll go in the strength that I have. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.